New Orleans Saints minicamps are a wrap, and it is unanimous. Derek Carr is looking really, really good. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints. For the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Day. Thanks so much as always. Make it locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget you could subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss the latest episodes. And if you want to keep the conversation going one on one with me, you can head over today to joinsubtext.com slash locked on Saints. As always, I am your host, Ross Jackson at Ross Jackson. Nola on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert credential member of the media, senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network, Sports Illustrated's fan nation site covering the New Orleans Saints. And, of course, you can find me every single Tuesday on the Locked on NFL podcast and here with you every single Monday through Friday and then some on Locked on Saints. And today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends over at Bird Dogs. Head over to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL and get a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. Tell you all about them here in just a little bit. But let me tell you what we got up on today's show. We're joined by John Hendricks at John J. Hendricks. On Twitter, he is my buddy, my pal, my colleague, my good friend from over at Saints News Network, lead reporter there while I am the senior writer and reporter. So we, he and I work together. We cover Saints practices together, all that. He was boots on the ground during many camps while I'm out of town. And uh, so he's going to be here to join us to chat a little bit about Saints mini camps and give you really we're kind of looking at the whole kind of phase three of the offseason. That's OTAs and mini camp all together. So we're going to take a look at the defense. Can they force more turnovers in 2023? Uh, who is the phase three MVP? And first, Derek Carr, because that's who it's all about. The New Orleans Saints trying to change their fortune at the quarterback position by bringing in Derek Carr. How has he looked throughout minicamps and OTAs? Here's what John had to say, and we continue on the conversation from there. I think that you see the chemistry starting. I think you see the things that they hoped they were getting out of him, his operations in the two-minute drill, his operations in seven-on-seven, seven, just all the different spots that he's, you know, was known for with his time in Vegas that uh, he's been able to do. And and I think mm -hmm. you can appreciate all over the route tree, whether it's a wheel route, hitting Alvin on a wheel route, or hitting Jawan down the seam, or a fade route to, to Jawan or something like that. I mean, he's hitting on it, and the thing is, and what I appreciate most about Card, never forget it. There's a, a just a slight off target with Chris Olave. Olave oh, yeah. throws in the ball back, and then Derek throws in the same pass, and it seems like no big deal. But he's all focused on the nuances of the game, and so you add that in with guys like Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams, all this thing. I think this offense has a low key one of the the best outlooks ahead of them. Um, I think. They can be, I'm not telling you they're going to be elite, but with Carr right. there, they can be something good and respectable, much better than anything that we've seen the past two years. And I think there's some comfort to be taken there, uh, you know, by Saints fans that Carr is a guy that can come in and lead the charge. And, um, you know, he's been everything that's been advertised and then more. And I really feel like he's been reinvigorating just coming to New Orleans. 
I, I loved watching that that Chris Olave bit to where you know they mm-hmm. they they ran that play again after being off target because it it took me back to Derek Carr's introductory presser when he said that he's all about accountability and not just accountability for others around him, but accountability for himself. If I missed that pass, if I was off target, if my timing was off, let's do it again. And so seeing that kind of stuff, it does kind of take you back to the way that this New Orleans offense used to practice mm. when Drew Brees was kind of, you know, was, was orchestrating all of this. Do you see from Derek Carr some of the similarities in terms of nuance, some of the uh, particularities that you might find from, I don't want to say from a Drew Brees in particular, but that fit with this offense was architected and constructed around with Drew Brees at the helm. Yeah, look, and, and you know, Derek's not coming in here to be Drew Brees. We all know that, right? right? And if it's not been said, it's said now. But you know, looking at the the big picture with Derek here again, he's gone back and looked at a lot of the tape on Drew Brees. Now he wouldn't tell us how far back he's gone, but <laughs> you know, just kind of getting some of those nuances and you know, just even the subtle changes of how things are ran. Like you know, he's used to saying, "Oh, somebody's going to call the play in my helmet," but Pete's like, "No, I want to tell you the play," right? I just think those types of things are just different to where he's learning a lot more here in New Orleans. And again, nothing against where he was at, but I just, again, feel like he's at this point where he's just been reinvigorated with energy and life because of what he has available. And again, he's, he's doing the right things, talking about the positives of players pointing out like, look, I Mm -hmm. saw you run that film or run this route on this film. Uh, And he even knows not even just the skill players, but guys like Eric McCoy saying I, yeah. it stuck out to him that play where he's 20 yards down the field blocking Packers defenders while Alvin takes it in. I mean, those things matter. And, and again, just even being willing to say, okay, Mike, how did Drew throw you this ball? I want to try to get it close as possible. I mean, those types of things. And again, nothing against the quarterbacks that weren't here or that were here before him. But again, they brought him in because they believe in his ability. Now, am I telling you that he's going to come out there and win a Super Bowl for this team? No, that's pretty far-fetched. But He's going to at least put them in a good spot and good opportunity to to win football games and to, again, not be such a lethargic offense like they have been the past couple of years. And look, if you know and you follow this team for more than five minutes, you know it's been a struggle bus past couple of seasons. And so I think with Carr in here, with these added weapons, I mean, the only question mark I have at this point is the offensive line because we haven't even talked about guys like Foster Moreau in this and their role or Brian Edwards and other ones there are deep at a lot of positions. And I think that's something to appreciate, but it all hinges on that offensive line, which I think is probably the biggest question mark to have right now. It's not Derek. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned that because I think oftentimes we take these conversations and we go quarterback and then we go to the guys that the quarterback's throwing the ball to or handing the ball to, but the protection for the quarterback has to be a huge focus. They bring in, they add Billy price on Thursday that's a big addition for them, I think. And the reason why I think about that is because oftentimes this is a team that doesn't really have a true backup center. We've seen this year in and year out. If a center goes off the field, uh, 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 you know, in this case, it would be Cesar Ruiz moves from right guard to offensive line positions. Two fifths of your offense are now out of position or down a starter. Bringing in a guy like Billy Price, continuing to focus on depth on the offensive line, the importance of that is clear, but it seems that they're paying a lot more attention to it maybe this offseason I, I don't know it certainly feels that way to me do you feel that way as well to where like this is a team that's getting a good look at what can be there behind their starting five yeah i got you got to push this depth chart i mean you really mm-hmm. do i mean a guys like Storton, storm norton have brought in you know guys that are going to push for i don't want to say playing time but the thing is if you're going to roll with who you have 
It's just a matter of time of who's going to miss time on this offensive line. I just don't – you don't see many offensive line that are going to go 17 games. And when it comes to the Saints, you're right. not getting 17 games out of Andres Pete. It just never happened, right? Mm-hmm. It's just never happened. You'll probably get 15 or 16 out of Ramchek. You're hopefully – you know, the biggest question mark is, is Penning going to be ready to go? And, again, we've seen him. He's partaking in stretches during minicamp. So that's encouraging that he's getting more up to speed. I, I dare say I'm not a doctor, but – He's been more involved than I've seen Cesar Ruiz, so I feel like Penning might be ahead of the curve when it comes to him mm-hmm. being more on the field, returning to the field faster than Ruiz. But, you know, again, those are two main things is that Penning's had two foot injuries now. Ruiz, he had the the uh, obviously the Achilles injury, and so those are reasons to be concerned. And so if you're going to say, here's my starting five, which we would project as of right now, unless something changes Penning, it's Hurst, it's Pete, it's McCoy. Then you got Ruiz, and then obviously Ramchek. Your depth behind those guys—a guy like a Landon Young has got to get up up, mm-hmm. up a level a little bit. Your guys like Lewis Kidd and Calvin Throckmorton. I think Throckmorton's probably your highest guard right now. But Nick Saldaveri hasn't been around. I'm interested to right. see where he fits in, and he can play center too. That would be another thing. Is they they signed for Billy Price, but if Saldaveri was there, he was taking reps at center center in the Senior Bowl, and obviously it's a new position for him, but if they, he comes back in the fold, then I think that could be a solution for them as well. But again, these ga- this game is one in the trenches. And right now on offensive and defensive side of the ball, I feel better about the defensive side of the ball. I still have some question marks. Offensive side of the ball, I feel pretty decent. But it's a matter, like you said, when one person goes down, and it will, it, what does the plan look like? How does it take shape? What's the roster management look like for it? Because you got to have solid plans A, B, and C when it comes to that. All right, family, coming up next, we're going to continue on Derek Carr and the weapons around him by taking a look at the Phase 3 MVP, who was the most impressive player, whether that be uh, OTAs, minicamp, all together. We got that coming up for you as we continue on with John Hendricks here on Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by our friends over at Bird Dogs, my absolute favorite over there, right over there, just over to the left of me. I've got five pairs of Bird Dogs, four shorts and a pair of joggers just chilling, ready to go. And it's just in time because New Orleans is getting hot, hot, hot. So if you want to avoid that heat or not avoid that heat because you want to enjoy yourself outside, but you don't want any of the embarrassing stuff that potentially comes along with it, the sweat, the smell, all that other stuff. You ain't got to worry about none of that when it comes to bird dogs, that anti-stink sweat wicking fabric. I don't even know what wicking is, but I'm so grateful that bird dogs does it. They make the perfect pair of pants. It's just that simple. You can go and check them out today at birddogs.com slash locked on NFL. You're going to get a free Yeti style tumbler custom made with a bird dogs logo with every order. So you're getting pants, you're getting shorts, you're getting polos, you're getting whatever you need, but you're also getting that Yeti style tumbler, which is super Dope. Once again, that is birddogs.com slash locked on NFL for that Yeti style tumbler in your order, along with the perfect pair of pants. You won't want to take them off. We promise you that. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thank you to all the everydayers out there for making us your first listen of the day every day. Joined today by John Hendricks from over at Saints News Network, my buddy, my colleague, my pal, my buddy. I said buddy already, but whatever. He's my double buddy. Uh, So we're going to take a look at Phase 3 MVP. Remember, Phase 3 encapsulates both OTAs as well as minicamp. I'm going to give mine, but first, let's get John's. 
I mean, look, I, I think the easiest answer is probably Chris Olave, but I'm going to go with Derek Carr. Um, just because, again, I think some of the throws that he's made has just been incredible. You know, I, I think that when you look at how he's approaching things and just being able to be smart with his decision making, smart, you know, quick to go through his reads and progressions, just all the subtleties there. I, I, again, Olave's got to be the obvious choice, right? But, you know, just because the way he's bulked up, he's made the contested catches. That catch he had over Elante Taylor the other day was just incredible. I wish we could record it. I wish we have that access. Unfortunately, for fans, they don't let us do that. But, you know, uh, it was a very pretty hookup. And it's not the first time we've seen it. And so, look, I'm only more excited to see that uh, to grow. And I think that's why you say Alave's probably the guy. But I got to say, Derek Carr's got to be their strong contention uh, if you're going to say 1A and 1B. Yeah, I, I will go the low-hanging fruit. With Chris Olave, I don't mind. I I have I you know I, I have no no horse in the race when it comes to minicamp. But even OTAs, I mean, the guy was just outstanding. Now he missed the third day of minicamps with correct me if I'm correct me if I'm getting this wrong. Uh, but it was Achilles inflammation, mm-hmm. considered to not be a, a big deal at this time. But you got to be a little bit worried already seeing the groin injury for Rashid Shahid, seeing this. Achilles inflammation thing going on with Chris Olave. You got to be a little bit worried about that nonetheless, but man, just seeing Chris Olave and what he's done, he bulked up from 187 up to 192 target weight of 195 this off season. And it's showing, uh, even if it's not showing, cause I don't know about you. It doesn't look like he added much, uh, but the play shows that he's adding quite a bit. Uh, I know you didn't pick him for, for that phase three MVP, but What are some of the things that maybe have stood out in terms of what he could add? I know it kind of comes down to those contested catches, but what he can add to take his game to the next level from what we saw last year. Yeah, look, I I think it comes with being more aware um, in some Mm -hmm. aspects. And, you know, look, there are are times where they needed a big play. They called the number 12. Right. And I think that's the biggest things is in those situations, uh, you know, being able to make the contested catches are the big things for him. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if they have everything evolved where they hope it to be, if, if you were to say this roster is a hundred percent full strength, you got Mike T, you got Shahid, you've got Alave, you got Moreau, you've got Taysom Hill, Juwan Johnson, and then Kamara Williams out of the backfield. What does his target share look like then? Because right. you know, he's going to go from maybe 10 to 12 targets a game to maybe more than like five to six, just depending on what the situation is and what the offense looks like. And so, Again, is that stretching the field or is he going to find stuff more underneath? I just think that that's the most exciting part. And so I think a lot of it can be a, a big home run threat. I don't know if I'd say necessarily he's the possession guy because I think that's Mike that could come in here. But yeah. he's somebody that, you know, I feel like can, can go wherever they want him along the formation and be productive. And so for him, you know, his route running is, is I thought, that was always the thing that stood out for me is to how yeah. crisp his route running is and just seeing it in camp still how crisp of a route runner he is and just how aware he is with his hands. I mean, besides contested catches, it's just going to be his hand placements. I think something that Cody Burns always talks about and just in general is that, you know, that chemistry with Derek Carr, where do you want the ball? Where is he mm-hmm. high pointing the throws? Where is he going to put it? And when, and where do I need to be in the anticipation between those two are things that I would, probably say most important to to watch to help him take it to the next level 
Yeah, that's a, one of those really key and really interesting details that you know you 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 look at when you look at uh, Derek Carr and sort of the attention to detail that he's brought to this offense. Where do you want the ball placed? The other day when he was talking about how every quarterback throws the ball slightly different, all these other things, like it's such a good example uh, of that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, first of all, crisp route runner, Chris Olave. So crisp Olave is clearly the upcoming nickname for Chris Olave <laughs> as we continue with the camp. So we've got the thunder from down under when it comes to Lou Headley. And now we've got crisp Olave. So we're doing good. We're doing good so far. Um, awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's one. Hey, no say Colin Saunders because I also talked. I had Cam. I asked him to, uh, on Thursday. I was like, you know, what is what you make a Colin? And he's like, Colin, who's Colin? Oh, Colin Saunders. We just call him Bink. It's like, all right, whatever you say, you're the one that comes up with a nickname. So if you want us to say Bink, we're going to call him that. So I just, you know, we'll learn soon enough. Yeah, yeah, we'll get it all from Cam. He'll, he'll let us know. Yeah. Um, when, when you look at where Chris Olave's uh, deep, threat ability comes in he was 14.2 yards in terms of his like average depth of target last year that led the team uh and it's up there within the top 10 amongst all wide receivers and tight ends that qualified under next gen stats um Derek Carr on the other hand uh nine point I believe it was 9.2 yards when it came to intended air yards uh downfield that was also next gen stat uh so the the marriage between the two that was top 6 in the NFL so the marriage between the two downfield is maybe a little bit underplayed i think oftentimes when we think about Derek Carr as a guy that you know as a quarterback we think about the the checkdowns we think about short intermediate area making decisions down to the flat stuff like that how could that marriage between Chris Olave and Derek Carr end up impacting Derek Carr and Chris Olave's downfield game because it sounds like that's a part of the a part of what you're considering with that tandem yeah, and it's funny you said air yards. I had PTSD when everybody was talking about Drew Brees and his air yards. And, you know, <laughs> he said care. no one cares about right? air yards. Yeah, nobody cares. <laughs> it's just funny. But, you know, look, I think it can impact it on a, a variety of ways. And, again, that's why I say I, I feel like finally this is an offense that has the weapons that's really going to make you have to pick your poison. And I know we've talked about it before. If AK coming out of the backfield is is one thing. And if you got Thomas running the short to intermediate, you got Rashid who can – Honestly, I, in all fairness, I think he's going to have an expanded route tree. I think he's mm-hmm. not somebody to just say, well, he's just a deep guy who can make 18 yards a catch or whatever the case may be. I think Alave can be that guy. And if you put a, a single high safety look on him or if you're trying to press man on him or something with that bulk frame, I expect it to be a little bit different. And so, look, I, I think it's it's probably going to be showing up more in the – I don't want to say necessarily in the red zone, but more in – just kind of moving the ball down the field that Chris Lave is going to be make his mark. Not saying he won't get in the end zone, won't be part of the red zone threat, but right. I think as they get into the red zone, that's where you're going to see more of Juwan Johnson or Foster Monroe or Taysom Hill, those packages. And I just, I just don't think it caters as much, but you know, again, in the same breath, if Olave's bulked up, he might have a better opportunity with those, those contested catches. But again, that chemistry with Derek Carr is going to be paramount for him, obviously. And again, it's just a situation he's walking into where, again, he had Devontae Adams and obviously Hunter Renfro and all the different weapons he had in Vegas. I think that you look at how they were able to attack the ball and such. And, you know, I think maybe not necessarily still in Thunder. I'm interested because I think we're in a spot where the defense knows what they need to do here. They need to be more of a force in getting turnovers and doing a lot of different things, create shorter fields. I'm not so convinced that, you know, that that won't be a huge thing that's going to maybe move some things for New Orleans and the way they approach an offense that saying, hey, we expect this defense to get a stop. We expect 
you know, them to generate more turnovers. So it's going to create shorter fields, which is going to open up the playbook Mm -hmm. or do different things. And so, look, I think the other thing to appreciate about the car and Olave stuff, and we've seen it at OTAs and minicamp too, is that Olave is still moving when the play is moving. So again, you think, oh, well, the quarterback's scrambling. Let me just stand still or figure out. No, Olave's still trying to find an open spot, open, you know, soft spot in the coverage and such. And so I think some of those are, are, going to be a strong super is being able to extend the play. All right, family, you heard John start to start to tip things over to the defense here. And that's exactly what we're going to next. How impactful can this new Orleans saints defense be for Derek Carr and the new Orleans saints offense? We got that coming up for you as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of locked on saints, put a lot on podcast network, your team every day. Let's get it. Who that nation wrapping up today's episode of locked on saints, put a lot on podcast network, your team every day, big shout out again to all the everydayers out there. I am going to have a bonus episode for you tomorrow, possibly Sunday as well. I, I kind of just don't plan on stopping producing moving forward. Um, but what we're, what I'm going to go through is the saints added, uh, Lynn Bowden. They ad- added, uh, uh, Kiki Cody today. They are or on Thursday and they also brought in Billy price. So we'll kind of go through and just look at all three of those players and how they contribute. So we'll get to that in tomorrow's episode. Don't miss that. That'll be a bonus episode for you on Saturday. And then I'll, I'll find an excuse. I'll find a reason to do a Sunday episode for you too. So we'll have all that coming up for you here at, throughout the weekend beyond just the week here at locked on saints. All right, wrap it up with John Hendricks here. Uh, looking at the defense, can they force more turnovers? How is it that they will end up complementing this New Orleans Saints offense? John kind of started to tip over to it already, getting the ball back in favorable positions. So let's start there. How can the Saints defense impact their offense? Yeah, I mean, I've seen more turnovers in OTAs minicamp than I have last season. So I guess that's, that's a good fair. Start. There you go. But but you know, it's it's crazy because you look at it, Ross, and you look at last season. Those last eight games, they they allowed 20 points or less in all eight of those, and they only mm-hmm. won half of them. So it's like turnovers are important. And some of the things that it's not just the turnovers for me, it's the pressure. It's the pressure yeah. from the defensive line because when they needed to stop last season, again, it's getting it's good when you can get the sack production from your linebackers and your, your secondary, all that stuff. But your main production shouldn't be from those guys. It should be from the trenches in some aspects for me. And I, again, you've pointed out and alluded to it of why Colin Ronder, so, Colin, Colin, Ronder, Colin Saunders has a better win rate or Nathan Shepard has a better yes. win rate on his pass rushes and such. And so you couple that with guys like Brian Brisset, who you can move over a line of scrimmage. You also have Isaiah Foskey that's going to fit in. Peyton Turner's been here. He's kind of been quiet, but he's been around. And so that's a good thing. And you still have Carl Granderson. I, again, I look at it as saying that to get more turnovers, you need more pressure. And the more pressure you can generate from the interior line and the ex- and the edge rushers, the quicker the quarterback's going to have to make a decision. And when you have a secondary that is playing confidently and when you have a secondary that has the talent the Saints do, I think it's a marriage that you'll start seeing that a quarterback's going to get rattled. And look, let's not play. They've got a lot of rookie quarterbacks this year. So I yep. expect the quarter of the turnover numbers to to definitely come because, you know, some of them are mobile, but again, they're just going to be forced into some bad decisions in some aspect, but they have a lot of young, inexperienced quarterbacks. And even if you look at the NFC South, it's still Desmond Ritter. It's it's obviously looking at, I guess, Baker Mayfield, maybe Kyle Trask. <laughs> there is no reason this defense shouldn't have more turnovers and not even more turnovers, but they should have easily double digits and they should be making more plays 
just a simple fact that they're going against some of these rookies and younger, inexperienced quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is where guys like Joe Woods come into play or Dennis Allen yeah. and and, uh, and Todd Grant. I'm just having this perfect marriage where you've got all these new faces trying to support what DA is trying to do defensively. And so I feel like the turnover numbers are going to speak for itself when it comes down to the end of the season. But again, I'm not worried about what they do in the first few months. Be positioned in a spot in December and be ascending when you get into the playoffs. Hopefully, fingers crossed, all that stuff. And then be playing your best football there. That's when I want to see the takeaways just start spewing out. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to I'm going to show this or, 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 or mention this Mina Kimes tweet real quick. Uh, she put this out earlier today or, or on Thursday uh, that the Saints defense in the second half of the season was second in DVOA, which is basically a, a weighted metric that shows you uh, kind of efficiency in certain areas based upon context driven pieces like down distance situations, stuff like that. Uh, they were fourth in EPA per play, which is another metric that thinks about that, that kind of takes all the same things into consideration. First in yards per play, first in opponent passer rating, meaning that they they forced the lowest opponent passer rating when being faced. The only thing they didn't get was, was the turnovers. And if we remember right, Alante Taylor had a couple of those turnovers, <laughs> but unfortunately they didn't stand. They kept getting turned, you know, turned over and all <sighs> these other things were called back and stuff. So you have to imagine that that pick six that he got on Jake Hayner, first of all, during mini camps was probably <laughs> refreshing for him. Uh, but you have to imagine that some of those, some of that luck goes their way uh, this year, as opposed to last year when some of that luck didn't go their way. Yeah, look, and uh, it's funny because the way that situation was, was with Taylor, I gave him a pick six. It was an end of game situation, so he kind of yeah, like he might have rolled down. Said, yeah, yeah, he did roll down and stuff. But I, I, I just said no. He's he's got a pick six because. If I'm him, I'm taking score, right? You know, oh, just, nobody's going to, with that four, three speed, nobody's catching him. Let me just put it that way. Right. And so <laughs> look again, I, and that's what I like. And, and I think that when you look at it, it's, it's, I think they're better suited in the depth department. I, I and I still want to see more from like the safety group because, you know, they lost Justin Evans, PJ Williams, Daniel right. Sorensen, all those guys. But I do feel good about the concept of guys like Ugo Amade or Jonathan Abram right now back there or uh, Lonnie Johnson Jr. You know, I just feel a little bit more confident with those guys. And and even from the secondary perspective, like just the corners, the guy that has stood out to me that, and he's probably caught your eye some too, but Isaac Gidham is, is a yeah. guy that is not going to turn heads. He's a guy that plays a lot of special teams, but he'll get beat on one play and he comes right back the next one. And that's something that Dennis Allen talked a lot about Alante Taylor is that short-term memory, just being able to, he might get beat on a play but he comes right back and that's what you want to see. And, and look, Paulson Adiabo looked fantastic today. He had a couple pass breakups um, at practice and he didn't allow a single catch. And so again, practice warriors, you could say what you want about that. But again, I think again, it all breeds to, you have a secondary that is playing with swag that feels confident in what they're doing. And then it's just going to hopefully spill over into the season and lead to more turnovers lead to just them taking over games. And again, just the energy that's out there. The energy level is something I just haven't seen the past couple of years. And I think there's just in the locker room, on the field, it's just not the same. And I think there's a lot of encouragement to be had because of that, because I think the Saints defense can help carry them a long way. They say defense wins championships. I, I'll take it if the offense can do it too. But, you know, um, you know, I think they have the potential to be something special. Anything in the top half, easily top 10 for sure maybe borderline top five, but of course they got to play the games. Yep. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that helps you with, um, 
with Derek Carr too is he's not he shouldn't be he shouldn't be at least in a situation in which he's having to score 35 38 points over on the offensive side to win games as you mentioned the last eight games of the season last year they only allowed 20 they didn't allow more than 20 points and so if you can win games scoring 24 28 points that's a big time difference than having to try to take your offense down down the field and march for five six touchdowns every game that gets to be quite a bit. And so when you have an opportunity there to where now you have an offense that can hopefully string together longer drives, which the Saints struggled to do last year, and off a defense that can get the ball back and not allow a, bu- allow a bunch of points, it's easy to see sort of holistically where the benefit comes from for having this super confident, super aggressive defense back in New Orleans. Yeah, look, and, and again, it's, it's, it's something, like I said, I, I just feel it brewing and just getting some of the guys, you know, just all this new injection. And, and I, I got a question the other day. It's like, well, all this Raiders infusion work, right? And, and I think mm-hmm. that you look at some of these ties that DA had, and I just think they're given a spot where it's like a second life and just be able to inject that life into this team and, and that's not in the Raiders organization. Again, you know, I'm not going to sit here and bash them. It's just you can Google and, and see some of that stuff too. It just has not been the most favorable, I will right. say. But look, I think they've given a spot where it's like, okay, this is your thing. This is what we've done. And, you know, again, we've talked about it in, in before, me and you, is that, you know, DA's crafted a team where it's almost no excuses, right? I, I think you've got your guys, you've got your quarterback, you've got your weapons you wanted and wide receivers and free agency, all this stuff. You got Mike Thomas back in the building. You've got a good insurance plan and Jameis Winston. I mean, this is one of those things where it's uh, control your own destiny, I feel like, and a lot of teams are going to sleep on the Saints. I think their defense is going to carry them a good bit. I think their offense has the potential to be something pretty special. Of course, again, like I said, the trenches is kind of what I, I'm a little bit more concerned and maybe a little bit on the linebacker spot on the other side just because sure. I want to see DeMarco Jackson take a little bit more leap. I want to see you know who that other option is. I think that's an area they can add in free agency. But as of right now, you know, 32 teams are probably feeling pretty decent about their, their chances this season. Well, most of the teams maybe are, not, but maybe not the Arizona Cardinals. We'll say thirty-one or the Bucks. Or the yeah, Bucks. Bucks you're gonna tell me you're yeah, gonna we'll say thirty. Feel good we'll about you know Mayfield, but at any rate, so uh, <laughs> you know, I just feel like the that's gonna carry over. And again, they got to play the games. I think the joint practices with the Chargers and Texans are gonna be Huge. really important too. Um, just because I remember that was a, a big turning point for a guy like Malcolm Roach didn't really do anything in training camp, and then all of a sudden you see him getting after Aaron Rodgers and making that pressure up the middle. I think that's going to matter a lot in the grand scheme. And it's, uh, you know, maybe want to see more of this, just two teams in joint practices, not just one. I think that's a big thing. Maybe pretty soon it'll be all three. (laughs) Mm -hmm. All right, family. One more big thank you to John Hendricks at John J Hendricks on Twitter. You can follow his work as long as well as mine over at saints.media as well as saints. Excuse me, si.com slash NFL slash saints, but saints.media is the easier one <laughs> over there. He is the lead reporter for Saints News Network, myself, uh, senior writer and reporter. So you can find both of our work over there at Saints News Network. Uh, coming up tomorrow, all you everydayers, I appreciate you making us your first listen of the day every day. We're going to take a look at the three free agents that the Saints signed running back slash wide receiver, who's also got some quarterback experience loosely, right? This is more of an option quarterback but still quarterback experience Lynn Bowden Jr. I will also take a look at uh, Kiki Cody who they brought in as well as Billy Price who they brought in on the offensive line so how do each of those guys impact their respective position groups we're going to break that down in tomorrow's episode appreciate you as always making locked on say to part of your day part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show as always if you see me say hi and if you want to keep the conversation going 
with me one-on-one, head over to jointsubtext.com, just locked on Saints. And I want to give a quick shout out to Kai, welcoming a newborn to the world. What a beautiful thing. Shout out to you, homie. Uh, and 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 blessings to you and your family and your expanding family. How exciting is that? As always, if you want to keep up with everything else going on around the New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson N O L A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. I trust you, that nation. I'll holler at you.